0: Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, good morning. Hopefully y'all are doing fantastic. And I want to kind of echo what Tracy was uh, just talking about, because I didn't know going into this morning that he was even going to make mention of that at all. But over the last I don't know, four or five weeks, maybe two, maybe two months, I've been really kind of challenged personally, and I've actually challenged our staff. And you know as well as I do, we live in a world that is distracted by everything. We're distracted by our phones, our iPads, we're distracted by the TV, all that kind of stuff. And I, I've been saying this one line, I said, let's be present, let's be present in this meeting. And I would encourage you to be present today because we're going to talk about something today that the modern church is kind of afraid to talk about. And we're going to talk about in this subject over the uh, the next uh, about 30 minutes uh, about something that that I think we're almost afraid to talk of because we're afraid that people will leave. As as a matter of fact, as a contemporary church, we should be challenged to be more than some of the other things that the way the world has described us. Yesterday, I was playing a little golf outing. um, And in the golf outing, uh, we were paired, so it was teams, and I got paired uh, against another team. And the guy asked me, and I love this because Everybody starts out saying like cussing and all that kind of stuff until they find out what you do. And so we're playing in this golf tournament, and, and, and we're about three holes into it. And the guy goes, hey, so what do you do? And I said, well, I, I pastor Journey Community Church. And, and, and he said, oh, I, I go to church. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but he was telling me that he's actually church shopping. He's actually looking for another church. And he said, I really want to go to a contemporary church. But the problem with contemporary churches is they don't use scripture. And I was like, well, well, push pause, just pump the brakes a little bit. And I said, here's the funny thing. And the guy that was with me that was on his team, he actually comes to journey. And I, and it was good. We, so we started talking. I was like, hey, I'm going to tell you how how we do things at Journey. We're actually doing a series from the book of Revelation, and it doesn't get any more, any more serious than the Revelation. Most churches are afraid to even deal with it. And so it's one of those deals where we need to be above and beyond, and we need to go above and beyond, and we need to teach God's word, even in the moments where it's difficult. And today's subject matter is difficult, okay? And we're going to talk about the judgment of God. And that's something I don't hear many people talking about because we're afraid that we're going to lose church people. But that's the struggle that we're having as we look at Thyatira. The church uh, is about 30 or 35 miles from Pergamon, which Pat talked about last week, which he did a phenomenal job talking about Pergamon. As a matter of fact, let me just give you kind of some frame of reference because sometimes we read all this stuff in the Bible and we go, you know, I don't even understand. Like, but this is where we've been going. So we went to uh, Ephesus first, right? We went to Ephesus and then we went from Ephesus to Smyrna and then we went up the coast about a hundred miles and, and we went to Pergamus. And then today we're back at Thyra Tower, so we're coming down and we're going up and back and we're going to deal with the uh, Sardis and Philadelphia and Sea over the next three weeks, and I'm excited about what's going to happen in those next couple of weeks. We've looked at the history of every one of these cities, and Thyra was known for its wool and its dye industry. As a matter of fact, it was considered a city of artisans, uh, a home to a lot of guilds. Now, we don't use those kind of words in our, in our vocabulary nowadays, but let me kind of explain those two words. Artesian, um, has anybody ever been to like Asheville or Greenville or maybe Dollywood or something, and they have, they have those glass blowers and there's the looms they do up? That's what an artesian is. It's somebody that works with their hands that's very skilled at doing something. So this city was filled with people that, and as a matter of fact, their number one industry there was brass. So when soldiers would go to war, They would come to generally Thyatira to get them to build their armor. So the the, the leggings and the the chest protectors and the helmets would generally come from the brass that this city was a part of. So Jesus starts to talk, just like he's done in all the other churches. He starts to talk to Thyatira, and he praises the church for having grown in their faith and their service. As a matter of fact, we're going to read it again with this kind of lens. We actually see that he says, your first works were great, but your second works are better than your first works. Like, you have done a really, 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 really good job. Um, but, but, but there was still warning in the letter. And so he, he kind of warns them about the, the corruption that was going on. And so John warns the believers in Thyatira about tolerating. That's a key word today tolerating. And it's interesting to me because I think that's a culturally relevant word that we don't understand because we think of tolerate, like I'm going to tolerate whatever your standard is and, and you're supposed to tolerate mine. That's not what I'm talking about today. We're talking about something totally different than the way we tolerate, you know, your viewpoint. It's, it's about the things that we have allowed ourselves to kind of listen to and walk down that road. So Jesus, uh, John, Uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling the the believers in Thyatira that tolerating this teaching of this this prophet, self-proclaimed prophetess named Jezebel. Now, does that name sound familiar to anybody? Because years and years and years before that, we see a Jezebel that was married to Ahab, King Ahab. And we see that she was kind of the ruler. She actually became the king of Israel. Amazing. It's amazing because the children of Israel are going, We want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And they got Jezebel, and like, We don't want a king, we don't want a king, we don't want a king. But they got this king or queen named Jezebel. Uh, if you read 1 Kings, you remember the story where the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Aseris. So there's 450 prophets of Baal and 400 pro- prophets of Aseris. And so she is over this clan. As a matter of fact, the religion was, called, uh, was, uh, was based on uh, a, a Greek mythology person named Apollos. That probably sounds pretty familiar to a lot of us if we went through school. So Jezebel was leading these believers astray. She had actually infiltrated the church, and that word tolerate, they started to tolerate Now, remember last week, Pat did a phenomenal job. He talked about Pergamon being a city of compromise, like they were starting to compromise. They were starting to allow. This church had actually allowed it to come in already. They were past the compromise stage. They were allowing these teachings to happen in the church. The teachings were teachings of sexual immorality. They were kind of like free love. You can do whatever you want to do. It was, you know, uh, things that were... uh, 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 given to other idols or other gods, uh, food and, and 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 all the animals that they were allowing those things to be present in the service at that church. So we get to this point in, that all this is going on, and the believers started to go astray. And so, if our entire believers were led astray spiritually, being taught the toleration of living this lifestyle. And so, when we think through this. It sounds a lot like a lot of the other churches that we've dealt with, other than the fact that this one actually allowed the sin to creep in and they were living that kind of lifestyle. So I'm gonna read now Revelation again with that framework, with those lenses, knowing, that, knowing what we know now and how Jezebel had infiltrated this church. And it's interesting to me, we go, we start right away again, uh, Revelation chapter two, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the son of God who his eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I wanna stop right here for a second. I, I could preach for two hours just on this right here because it goes all the way back in the book of Exodus and about how Jesus comes and he's going to come back again and all that kind of stuff. And so I want you guys to kind of put in your Bible, I want you to kind of underline that because I believe in the next couple months, maybe you know six months, we're going to talk about this right here. It's going to be really important. But verse 19, this is what it says. It says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patience and endurance, that, you latter, that your latter works exceed the first. So you were doing really good things and now you're doing better things. Like you have really, you're knocking out a ballpark. Like you are making me really proud to be a part of this part of this church. I know your works. He said, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat foods sacrificed to idols. He says, I gave her time. I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will, throw, I will throw her onto the sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into the great tribulation unless they repent of their works. Now, I want you to understand this because you have this word tolerance that we're going to talk about or tolerate, and there's this word repent that comes up about three times in this passage of Scripture. And I want, to, I want everybody to get this. God is a God that will tolerate our sin, but at some point he's going to call us to Repentance. At some point, he's gonna require that our actions line up with our words and our actions line up with God's holy word. And so it says in uh, verse 23, and I will strike our children dead and all the churches will know that I am the one who uh, searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. Verse 24, but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you what I say, do not, I do not lay on you any of these other burdens. And he says, only hold fast, only hold fast to what you have until I come. And he says, the one who conquers, the one who conquers and the one who keeps my works until the end, it's uh, to him, I will give the authority over all nations. And it says, and he will rule with them, right, with a rod of iron as when the earthen pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. And he says, and I will give them, or give him the morning star. There's a lot right there, right? But there's two key words. The one key word I'm gonna kind of point out right away is the word tolerance. They have tolerated what was going on with this, this, this Jezebel. And, and I want you to, I wanna give you the definition of, uh, of tolerance because I think it's really important. Tolerate means this. Allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one does not necessarily like or agree with without interference, accept and endure, allow little things, and this is my favorite part, allow little things to blossom into big things. How many people know that it doesn't start out big, it starts out small? In our lives, those big sins that we get involved in, the things that we've tolerated, they've all started out small. Question, how many people in this room know, uh, I've ever heard of a a man by, by the name of Bobby Leach? Anybody, raise your hand if you've heard. Anybody upstairs, Bobby Leach? If you're online, raise your hand. I see that hand. No. Okay, so Bobby Leach was a daredevil. Uh, well, you can't say that in church. He was a dare, dare, dare angel. <laughs> so he was one of those guys, like he was a circus performer. And so he would, he would be the one. If, if, if you ever been to Columbia County, um, you see the guy that gets shot out of the, 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 the cannon it, it, he'd be like one of those. And he would do the motorcycle thing uh, around in circles. And well, one of the things about 56 years old, he got challenged to get into a barrel and p- be pushed off Niagara Falls. Now at first that sounds really stupid, right? Unless you're in the South. And what we say down here is "Hey boys, watch this, right? And so he gets in this barrel and they, they, they enforce this barrel and they put all kinds of padding in it and he gets pushed off off the Niagara Falls. So he goes down how many ever feet? He gets to the bottom and the, the barrel's all cracked and everything. It takes him a full year to recover, right? But he's alive. Like he's, he's made it down. And so you're like, woo! Anybody know what Bobby Leach died from? COVID. No, he did not die. <laughs> <laughs> who said COVID? <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Well, that just changed the whole story. Yes, he died from COVID. <laughs> no, he um, he slipped on a banana peel. He broke his leg. They didn't repair it in time. He got gangrene. They had to cut it off, and he ended up dying because of an infection. Now, here's a guy that was like doing all these crazy things. He was a dare angel, like he was all that stuff, right? But he dies from slipping on a banana peel. And it reminds me of me in my life. I don't ever get to this bad part of my life, this deep sin over here, without slipping on the banana peel. It's the little things that get us to the big things. Now, how about this? You don't read your devotion one time. And then you don't read it the next day. And you don't read it the next day. And then you're not reading your Bible at all. And before you know it, you're not in... Any type of communion in right? any type of relationship with God, it started out. It didn't start out you uh, going a year or two years without being in His Word. It started out with that one day. Now, I, I, I guess uh, you guys. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to people that are not in the chairs next to you. Okay, but it's one of those deals where. How about church? Miss church one Sunday, and it makes it easier to miss it the second Sunday, doesn't it? And the third Sunday and fourth. Um, January of twenty. What was it? Twenty twenty. We. Uh, w- kind of walked into COVID, right? Well, in January or March, in January, I went on my sabbatical. And and the day before my sabbatical, this place was filled. We had almost 2,000 people in all three of our services. Now I can tell you this, we will not have 2,000 people on this campus today, but I remember looking out at that day. I was standing right here. Patrick was standing right here. There was a ladder on the stage and I was talking about, I want to be the pastor that that that, that, that recon- you know kind of reconstructs the, the church that where unchurched people can come to know Jesus Christ and in order for me to be that pastor, I got to take some time away. I need to recharge my batteries. This place was filled with people and I remember people that were sitting in certain spots and guess what? One Sunday that we were forced led to 12 months of Sundays. And there's some people that I haven't seen literally since 2020, January. It starts little and it blossoms. How about this? You spend a little bit more than you know that you have, right? And the next thing you know, you're in debt. The next thing you know, you stop giving. The next thing you know, you know, your life is in shambles. The next thing you know, you're, it starts as this little, little itty-bitty thing. How about this? I have people, friends of mine, that have told me that this has happened to them. One careless conversation with somebody from the opposite sex. I, 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 you, I, can't, I can't tell you how many, a couple, three weeks ago, when I was talking about the standard that God's told me to put in my life about not taking people out, not going to lunch, was just that people are like, you're crazy. There's no way in the real world. You live in a, you know, you live in this, fam- no, I don't. I live in a world where my wife it should be respected and should be taken care of and should be honoring her. And it's, I, I, I know how it works. It's that one small conversation that leads to something bigger. You know, I'm way stronger than that. No, you're not. David thought he was real strong. And David looks across the way and he saw a naked woman. He wasn't even with her at the time. But then he said, what? Go get that woman, bring her back. And before you know it, his life was spinning and spiraling out of control. One little thing. That's what happens, how it happens in our life. Everything like that. Neglecting the most important thing. One of the things that happened with COVID, I don't know with you guys, but when January, I was really doing good. Like I had lost about 20 pounds and I was working out every day and I was eating fairly good. And then my wife, like it's all her fault. Like last night, like, and you know what happens? Like, it's like, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna eat that one good meal. And then, and then it's two good meals or three meals. Last night, she made, oh man, I can't turn down. There's some things that like biscuits and gravy. This Yankee boy knows how to eat some biscuits and gravy. All right, I know I'm not, but cinnamon buns, homemade cinnamon buns. Good Lord. And I can't eat just one. Let's have a mass confession. You can't say it. Come on, raise your hand. So I tried to play it off by, I can eat one and a half. You know, that half is way better than the whole one, right? No. <laughs> Take him out of the service. You know, you know what I'm saying, though? And so last night, one and a half. There's two more sitting there. When I get home at 4 o'clock today, you better watch out. But, it, but you know what I'm talking about? It's one little thing, and that's the way it is in our life. So how does God, that's, that's, what's, that was, that's how it started in Thyatira, it didn't start where Jezebel just walked in and said, come on, everybody, we're going to have all these, you know, we're going to do all this sinful stuff. It was over a period of time that they allowed it to happen, allowed it to happen, allowed it to happen. And before you knew it, they were tolerating sin in the church. And I have a feeling that that's what's happening in the modern church today. We're almost sitting back going, okay, we want to know, and my kids used to say this all the time, that where's the line, where's the line? I mean, like, where's the line? If you have to ask me where the line is, you're too close. If your kids have to ask you, if I have to, like, is it okay for me to do this? You, we're too close. So, so, what is God's response? How does God handle this? Well, the first thing I want us all to understand, and I'm going to be really quick from here on out, God will correct you because He loves you. God will correct. Can I give you two huge truths right now? Here's the first one: God loves you just the way you are. Somebody, like, please, everybody, say Amen to that. Amen. Right. His, his love is never more perfect. He can't love you more. He'll never love you less. He's, it's amazing how much God loves you. And I've said this before, but there's another truth that we've got to grasp onto, and this is as important as the first truth. It's as important as God loves you. It's that God loves you too much to leave you where you're at. He doesn't walk. He wants us to be flourishing. He wants us to be living. John 10, 10, that you'll have life and have life to the fullest. When we have sin in our lives and we're, we're being held back, that's not living life to our fullest. So God will correct you. There's times where he will chastise. There's, kind, there's times he'll, that he'll discipline you. And he does it with, I did. so how many people grew up in, the ch- in church? Raise your hand. Don't, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna call you guys out. You grew up in church. Raise your hands real high if you grew up in the church. I, okay, so how many people didn't grow up in the church? Okay, so I, when I became a believer, um, I, so I used to go to a mainline denomination prior to, and I'll say this, before I had the reality of Jesus Christ in my life. Is that a fair way to say it? So I went to church for a while, Christmas and Easter in this denomination, right? We were always taught, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and God loves you. And he would never mean nothing of, he'll never do anything. And I'm going, oh, I like this God. Like, this God's fun. Like, I can go out and party, and I can just say, I'm sorry. Then How many people lived in that environment? Like, yeah, let's party. And then I'll just, okay, God, thank you. And everything's fine the next morning, Right? Regardless of what you did the life, you killed three people. You're fine the next morning because God loves you. Well, I started going to a little bit more conservative a church after I became a believer, after I asked Jesus Christ. And it was just the exact opposite. It was like God is a God of wrath and God is like, he's got this fly swatter and and, and as soon as you do something wrong, he's sitting there and he pops you every time you do something wrong. And I'm going, I don't like this God. This God's not fun. I'm going to go back to this one over here. And the truth of the matter is, God is neither one of those things. He's a God that loves us and he cares about us, but there's times where he corrects us. There's times that he leads us. Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse five. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as my sons? That is super important. He's not doing this to the world. He's not doing this people. This is church people he's doing. Just like Thyatira. That's why he's speaking to Thyatira the way he is. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when repro- reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines. This is so powerful. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. He does it because he loves us. He wants us to have the best life. So what's going on in Thyatira, honestly, has been going on for thousands of years. And we see it all throughout the Bible. Anybody remember the stories maybe growing up of the, of the nation of Israel? The Israel was in and out and in and out. And it was like one minute they're getting a rebuke and the next minute they're getting praise. You're doing great. There's a, there's a little passage in Jeremiah that I've been kind of, kind, of, kind of mulling over because it talks about this concept of judgment. I, I wanna read it and just kind of real quick break it down. For I am with you to save you. That is the standard. That is the, that's the baseline for everything that he's there. He wants to save us. He wants to be, he wants to be the, the star of the story, the famous one declares the Lord. I will make full, uh, a full end of all the nations among whom I scatter you, but of you, I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure and I will by no means leave you unpunished. Well, yay, Pastor Bobby, that's a great of scripture. Like, that's so much fun right? That's not the God that I grew up with, but this is the God of the Bible. This is the one we should be trying to follow, not the God of our history or our our heritage. What's the God of the Bible say? And so then it goes on to say this, for thus says the Lord, your hurt is uncurable. Well, that sucks. Right? You mean the hurts from my messing up? Well, what he's talking about here is it hurts when you try to heal them on your own they're uncurable. There's nothing, you, can, you can't drink enough drink, you can't do enough drugs, you can't have enough relationships. Those hurts aren't filled and fixed by those, those things. So he said, your hurt is incurable and your wound is grievous. He said, there's none to uphold your cause, no medicine for your wound, no healing for you. He says, all, all, all your lovers, and boy, tell me this isn't the truth. When you're knee deep in sin, you have no friends, do you? Like everybody that you held on to, everybody that you thought was important, everybody was your confidant, they're gone because they don't want it. The the, the truth is misery doesn't love company. And he says, so all your lovers have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. For I've dealt with you the blow of an enemy, the punishment of a merciless foe, because your guilt is great because your sins are flagrant. He says, why do you cry out over your hurt? Your pain is incurable because your guilt is great because your sins are flagrant. I have done these things to you. Oh my goodness. How many times have you heard a preacher say, God will never do? It says right there that he will. I have done these things. You know what? For a purpose, because he loves you and he cares about you. And he wants you back. He wants me back in the fold. God will correct you in order to bring you back to right. Standing. How, many, how many people have children? Raise your hand if you have children. This is how it worked out in my house, okay? I loved all three of my girls, right? And when they did something wrong, there would be a conversation, right? Make, make, you have kids, conversation. Don't do this again. Don't do this again. Anybody have that conversation with their kids? And then they do it again. Like sometimes within seconds. Like you turn your back like, what the? Did you not listen to me? And then, so what do you do? You turn the heat up a little bit, right? Right? And, right? You know what I'm talking about? You turn the heat up like, how many times? And your voice escalates and you're like, bla, 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 you know, like whatever, right? You start speaking in unknown tongues and make them think you're speaking. You know, and then they don't do what you told them to do. And what do you do? You beat the, fo- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is not about discipline. This is about, why do you do that? Why do you keep turning the heat up? Why, why, why do you want them not to make the mistakes that you made? Because you love them. Teenagers, if you're here right now, that's why, that's why it's important to listen to your mom and dad's discipline. Most of your mom and dads, I know them. Oh my goodness, they made some mistakes. And they don't want you making the same stupid mistakes. And they do it because they love you. hey. That's God. That's what God does. That's how exactly how God works. Why don't you let your little daughter put the fork into the receptacle over there? Because you don't want to see them go. <laughs> right? Right? But some, you know what some people think? It stops at little kids. And you know what I'm saying? I'm seeing this crazy thing. And I was a, I'm a recovering youth pastor, okay? Because I was a youth pastor for 13 years. And, and like, I'm surprised I still have all this. But it's one of those deals where I, I, I met a lot of parents that don't, don't discipline their kids and then they get to be teenagers and they scratch their head and they go, well, I don't understand why. Well, I'll tell you why, cause you never did. It's just that. I'm not going to judge whether you love your kids or not, but the Bible says, the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. If your kid walks up to you, a teenager and you know, they've been partying all night long Are you going, here's a 50 spot in the car keys, go have some more fun? Well, that's the way some people do it. That's not the way God works. God works, he disciplines us because he loves us, because he cares about us. He wants to see and have the best for us. Which leads me to the second thing. God puts the pieces, not you, I may hurt some feelings, not a 12-step program, not a book that you read, not a church that you go to. God puts the pieces of our lives back together whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. It's not when he's ready because he's, he's born ready. He, he literally says in the scripture, we read about the prodigal son, when the son came to his senses, and I think in our lives, a lot of times God is just waiting for us to come to our senses, to get to the point where we say, you know something, I can't make it another day without him. And here's the deal. So many times in our lives we go, oh, God's, pun- you want to know something? Can I tell you the truth? Can I, can I, in my life, this is how it's worked. Many times the punishment is nothing more than the consequences of my sin. It's not God's punishment. It's just the natural thing that happens after making stupid mistakes. So many times we go, oh, God is working. No, you're dumb. <laughs> You've done some dumb things, and now some things are happening. I've had appointments where people walk in, and they do all kinds of stupid things with their life, and they, and they think, well, I'm going to get back. And God's going, and, and, I, and I'm like, well, you didn't think at the time? Like, how many times? Oh, if I had a nickel every time. At the time, did you think it was a really good idea to do that? I know people that have spent... Countless amounts of money. And then all of a sudden they give their life over to Christ and they go, okay, I'm going to give everything over to him. And they're going, oh, he's going to take care of a lot. He's going to give me money. More money's going to be... No, 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 no. You did some stupid things with your money and there's a consequence of that. But you know what happens when we say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to put the pieces back together. Let's go back to Jeremiah because there's a part of this Jeremiah passage that that we didn't get to. and, And it's really important. It says, so let's go back. For I am with you to save you, declares the Lord. Okay, I love that. That's the baseline how many people say amen to that, right? God is with us to save. He wants to save us. He said, declares, Lord, I will make a full end of all the nations among whom I scattered you. But of you, I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure, and I will by no means leave you unpunishment." We're like, okay, where's the good stuff, Pastor Bob? Let's go. Verse 12. Verse 12 says this, for thus saith the Lord, your hurt is incurable and your wound is grievous. Uh, and then it says, there is none to uphold you, right? Is that the next one? Or did I go? Uh, There's none to uphold you, uh, no medicine for your wound or healing for you. Verse 14, all your lovers have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. For I have dealt you a blow of of the enemy, the punishment of a merciless foe, because your guilt is great, because your sins are flagrant. It's gonna get good here in a minute. Verse 15, why do you cry out over your hurt? Your pain is incurable because your guilt is great, because your sins are flagrant. I have done these things to you. Now stop. We have a loving God. And when we come back to him, he makes us a promise that the punishment's gone. You still may have the ramifications of it, but he's gonna do something brand new. Watch this. Therefore, all who devour you shall now be devoured. He puts, puts protection. And all of the foes, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall now be plundered. And all who prey on you, I will make a prey. Now watch. He says, for I will restore helps to you, put the pieces back together. And your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion from whom no one cares. He says, I promise you, when you come back to me, I'll put the pieces back together. Can I tell you something? I'm living proof of this. Right after I became a believer, I did some really stupid things and I walked away from God. And there was a chasm of sin between me and God it was awful things. It was things that there's good potential that I should have been put away for a while. But I remember giving my life to Christ. Now, there was still ramifications. There's still things I had to make sure I had to, I had to do the right thing. But God started putting the pieces together. And what I realized is there are a couple of things we have to do if we're gonna get in right standings. We got the first thing is this. We have to have a little self-awareness. You know, in the world we live in, uh, let me do something real quick. How many people in this room would say, Real truthfully, how many people say that you are self-deceptive? Okay, so three. Put your hand down. How many people in this room? Watch this. How many people in this room know somebody that is self-deceptive? Come on now. Don't study, don't don't start lying on me now. It, just about everybody in this room knows somebody. That, 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 that has to see like they're, they're, they're never wrong. They never they never make a mistake. There's never a situation where they have to say they're sorry, they're, they're, they're narcissists, all that stuff, right? I did that in our church years ago, about 10 or 12 years ago. And I asked the same question. I said, tell me what the problem is. Anybody t- want to tell me what the problem is? See, I think we have a statistical problem. Everybody in the room knows people that are self-deceived, but very few of us are willing to say that we're one of those. We have to come to the point where we have a little bit of self-awareness that we go, you know something? The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That means if all have sinned, I fall into the all category and I have to come to the point in my life where I go, you know something? And not only do all sin, I still comp- How many people still sin? Wake up sinning sometimes, go to bed sinning sometimes, right? Here's the second thing. This is really, really important. We need to deal with the real issue um, there's a phenomenon that I found out about reading through uh, some stuff this past week that in major cities, listen, this is really, in major cities, when the crime rate goes up, ice cream sales go up. So crime rate goes up, ice cream sales go up. Or is it ice cream sales go up and crime rate goes up? So our government is so intelligent. So congressman from the great state of, I'm not going to tell you, says, got an idea, let's stop selling ice cream. So I'm in this open chat, it's a, like a forum. And I said, did anybody consider, because we were discussing this, it's like an ethics kind of deal. So I put it, did anybody, did anybody consider that, that it's because it's hot out and people get angry when they get hot? and they run people off the road when it gets hot, and it has nothing to do with the ice cream. And they're like, well, that's a really good statement. I'm like, I should be a professor. And all I wrote was this. Maybe we should look at the real issue and not sub-issues in the world that we live in. Maybe, there's a, maybe we should look at the real issue and not try to scapegoat another issue. Let, let me let you know a secret. That's sin. Sin is the real issue, and, and by the way, it's not what you call sin. It's not, it's not what Justin calls sin. It's not, what, it's not what you call, it's not what, it's not what, it's not, see, that's the problem in the world we live in. We're doing it and we think we're the standard. And guess what? We're not the standard. The standard is in God's word. It's whatever God calls a sin. So we should be dealing with the real issue. What is sin? Sin is something that separates me from the loving, holy God. It's anything that makes me short sure of what, what he wants me to be so we have to determine. And then here's another one. Oh man, I love this. Determine this is your rock bottom. Did you hear what I said? So many people, how many people have ever gone to a testimony service at a church? Raise your hand. And they get up, somebody gets up and gives a testimony. So when I first got saved, I didn't know what a testimony service was. There's this old lady and I say, oh, she was probably in her 70s, 80s. She got behind the pulpit. If you don't know what a pulpit is, it's one of them things that preachers put their Bibles on. We don't have any of them right here. She got up there and she said, I just want to thank Jesus for saving me from prostitution. I'm like, good Lord, how long ago was that? 80 years ago? And I just want to thank Jesus for saving me from s- sexual molestation and, 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 and alcohol. And, and she's going on, and she's got this list. I'm going, I'm going to find me another church if she's allowed here. She's a mess. She stops. And she said, some of you are judging me right now. She said, I didn't say I did those things. I said that Jesus saved me from those things. And you know what I learned that day? So many times we wait to hit rock bottom we wait till everything is so bad. But maybe we should be thanking Jesus in advance for the things that we didn't have to go through. And maybe we can determine our own rock bottom. This is my rock bottom. Today is your rock bottom. Regardless of how big or how small it seems, today can be your rock bottom. And then, ask for forgiveness and allow God to put the pieces back together. And you know what he does? Live and proof. He can heal your health. You can be in right standing with God again. All of a sudden you have unexpected and expected prayers, miracles happening. You're back in God's favor and you feel good about yourself. But you can't do that by yourself. The only person that can do that is Jesus. Somebody say amen to that there's a song that we sing around here a little bit and it's a pretty powerful song and I think Elevation I think Justin said Elevation it's a song called Oh Come to the Altar anybody ever heard that song? by way of closing today I want to do something a little different I want everybody to stand up with me in a minute I'm going to ask you to just shut your eyes but I know many people, what a great crowd. Hey, look around. What a great crowd today. This is amazing. Look look at the balcony pack. It's been a long time since we've seen this. It's awesome. Um, And I know we're still knee deep in COVID and people are still super sensitive of it, but there's just sometimes one of my pastor friends told me, if you want something you've never had, sometimes you got to do something you've never done. And today I just want to do something different. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But if you're in this in this building right here or maybe you're over in our other experience the atrium over there or maybe you're down at Sherwood if this is you like God's tapping on your you know the door of your heart today and you know you need to make a move I'm going to ask you to move there's there's nothing more powerful than that 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 first initial move from behind the seat and walking up and having somebody pray for you there again, if, if you feel uncomfortable because COVID, man, I understand. If you're watching us online, and this morning was a powerful morning. We had, I think I heard five or six people that got prayer, but there was six, I think it was five or six people that asked Jesus to be their savior today online. That's powerful. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to use technology to reach the world that we live in, okay? So you don't have to be here. I mean, that's, that's big, y'all. I mean, that's really big, right? I mean, we have a whole nother church uh, down the other side of town that we're, we're actually, like, that's that's great. But nothing takes the place, can I say this, nothing takes the place of seeing you in person, nothing. Like, I want you to ask, your, I want you to go home today and tell your friends they missed a powerful service. You should have been there. You should have been there. There's, seat, there's seats in front of you, you know, get, get invite them. But in this room right now, and online, and maybe over there, we're gonna sing this song. And what I want you to do is I want you just to have a bold Jesus moment. And just step out. We'll give you plenty of time if you're upstairs. You're over at the atrium to come down. Some of our staff, our elders, people that believe in prayer are going to be up front. And then maybe you just started tolerating like that Tyra. Maybe you just started tolerating and it's kind of crept into your life and you know it's crept into your life and it's time to get rid of it. It's time to dig it out. Like the Bible says, repent. And God, God got you this moment here because he loves you, not because he hates you. He loves you, he cares about you. And that's why he's given us opportunities as a church over and over again to get things right with him. But the, the words of this song are so powerful. And, and, and honestly, I think th- these words are things that have become our prayers a lot of times in our world that we live in. And I think they're so powerful. It says, are you hurting and broken within? Think about, think about your life right now. Are you hurting and broken within? Is there jagged edges that, that you know that God wants you to kind of work on. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. And we just read scripture about that. That, that it's incurable, the weight is heavy. And this is have you come to the end of yourself? And that's the key. That I can't do this on my own. I can't save myself. Jesus did for me on the cross what I couldn't do for myself. I couldn't die on a cross for anybody's sins. It took God Himself to do that. It took a perfect, a perfect, holy, loving, caring God to make that happen. And then it says this, do you thirst from a drink from the well? Man, some of us have been drinking from the fountain of the sin in our lives and that water's muddy and it tastes nasty and God's going, I got the best stuff and when you drink, you'll never thirst again. You'll never, ever thirst again. You'll never have a, you'll never have a desire to do this other thing because you've had the great, the, the perfect. And the last line is, Jesus is calling. And that's what he's doing right now. Would you bow your heads with me for a second? God, in this quiet moment right here, in this quiet moment, we recognize your presence. We recognize your holiness. We recognize your goodness. We recognize that you're a father that loves us. And this morning's message was not designed to be a browbeating. It was designed to be correction. It was designed to be and explain the character and the the way our loving God works. And so, God, so many of us in this room are feeling we're feeling a little antsy. We're feeling a little conviction right now. And I believe that's your Holy Spirit doing that. And God, I'm praying whether it's one person. God, or it's a hundred people, because it's not about the number of people; it's about the lives that are getting right with you. And so, God, we pray in advance for the courage for so many of us in this room, or our online experience, or out in our atrium, or down at Sherwood, that we would have the courage to step out, accept what you have to offer—that's that free gift—and God, that we would live, we would live with you. That's the most important thing. And God, so it's in this moment, as we sing this song, we make this our prayer, God. I hope, my prayer, my hope is that God, people in this room, sense your presence in a way they've never sensed your presence and recognize who you are and acknowledge it. Jesus name. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at journeycommunity.net.